Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. and I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. What shall it profit a man that he gain the whole world and lose his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, the truth of the matter is, is that the wealthiest place in the world is the grave. That's because people had something to give, but they chose not to give it. And so whatever was deposited in them, they took it with them to the grave. But I heard somebody say, if if you're going to die, then you need to die empty. You need to make sure that your storage is empty that you've given away what's been given to you. Over 25 years ago, when I came to this area, my wife and I, we were praying. It come out of a church that was connected to missions. Not missions in its traditional sense, but missions in the original sense. And I was praying and asking God, saying, Lord, I want to sow into missions. But I don't want to sow into missions like I see on television. Where 10% of what you give goes to the mission field. And 90% goes to something else. And I asked God to connect me with somebody who was doing the work. And I can't even to this moment tell you how God did it. But he connected me to this man of God. I believe the apostle Paul, or shall I say Luke the physician wrote when he was writing the narrative about Paul and some others, he said he used the description, men who have hazarded their lives for the gospel. And I know, Bishop, you have hazarded your life for the gospel. But I, I, I can take a trip to go teach or sit around a table and talk for two days, and it wears me out when I'm not with my wife. I can't imagine the grace that's on Lady Jackson when you travel and go all these places. My wife can pick up the phone and we can talk and text and see each other. I can show her the hotel room on the same day. But you may not be able to do that being thousands of miles away. 
It takes grace. Grace to be able to do that. Now, church, I say this to you because one thing that I've never taken for granted are the lives that God places me around. I've always seen myself to be a gleaner. Other folks want the fruit. I want the peel. Because I know it's something about the peel that causes the fruit to be what it is. And so when I'm around people, when God gives me access to people, I try to absorb all I can. And I, I can't tell you what a blessing this man and woman has been to me, to my family. And I know that you honor God for having them shepherd you here at Tabernacle of Praise. Amen. Amen. So, Bishop, thank you for this opportunity to come tonight. We honor you and Lady Jackson. Certainly, I honor my own wife. I told y'all last night, it's been 37 and a half years. It's getting better. <laughs> Amen, somebody. It's getting better. Amen. I didn't know I was so complex. <laughs> so God had to make her just for me. Amen. And I'm so appreciative. I'm telling you, somebody said something to me the other week. We had something at the church, and it was at night. And they, he looked at me. He said, man, he said, I don't know how you did it. He said, it took all I could to come here at night. He said, you've been coming this way for over 20-some-odd years. I said, but you know what was more amazing than that? He said, what? I said, I had a wife that was right there with me. Y'all don't know. I appreciate her so much, so much. So I thank God for my wife, certainly too. The ministers and the officials, all the officers here at Tabernacle of Praise, thank you for opening your doors, serving us, and allowing us to come. And I want to give a shout out to Dr. Ratchford and all of them that came from Big Calvary tonight. Thank you for coming tonight. Appreciate you all and all of God's children. We praise God for each of you. I saw, Bishop, I was riding today and I saw where they had put the brine out on the road. So those little white lines. So I just appreciate y'all coming tonight. Last night, we talked about another look at evangelism, part one. Tonight, I want to speak part two to you tonight from that text. If you look to the book of Acts, chapter one, verses one through nine. Acts chapter one, verses one through verse nine. When you have it, stand. If, you, if, if it's your custom here to stand, stand. But please say amen so I'll know when to begin reading. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 9. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. 
When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can you say amen? amen. Part two, another look at evangelism. Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to be here again tonight. We thank you for safe traveling mercies over the highways and byways. Thank you for the heart of your people to come tonight and the heart of your people to be online. Now, God, we ask you for wisdom and revelation knowledge that only comes from your spirit. We ask that you open thou our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. God, join our hearts to yours. Open our eyes and give us revelation knowledge. Let us see the word and see ourselves in the word. And, and give us wisdom to know how to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved, last evening we spoke of God's eternal plan to introduce the reality of his kingdom in the midst of kingdoms that were led by men. In other words, it was God's plan to infiltrate the kingdom of men with the kingdom of God. God took subjects from the kingdom of men, transformed them, and planted them back into the kingdom of men. We examine Daniel's interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 teach us that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. When Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, he could not remember the dream, nor did he understand the dream that he had had. But Daniel now, in Daniel chapter 2 verse 32, recounts to Nebuchadnezzar after prayer and exposure of the dream to God, of God to Daniel, Daniel now tells Nebuchadnezzar what he actually dreamed. He tells him that you dreamed about an image who had a head of fine gold whose breast and arms were silver, his belly and his thighs were brass, his legs were iron, his feet were part of iron and part clay. You saw that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were made of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. We saw that in that revelation that Daniel now interprets what the vision actually meant to Nebuchadnezzar. And he tells us in Daniel chapter 2, verses 37 through 41, that the revelation of the image was that the image represented four kingdoms. He said that, that Nebuchadnezzar was that head of gold, but that there would arise another kingdom that would be inferior to him. 
and then a third kingdom of brass, which would rule over all the earth, and that there would be a fourth kingdom that would be strong as iron. For as much as iron breaks things in pieces and subdues all things. Yet he told him that the kingdom, that fourth kingdom would be divided. And in verse 44, he said, in the days of these kings, while these kings were in authority, while these kings were ruling on the earth, that God would set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, that kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and that God's kingdom would stand forever. We stated last night that this fifth kingdom represented the church, those who have been born again, those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that while earthly human governments are still in play, God would begin to establish his kingdom right in the midst of them until the time came when he would completely obliterate all earthly kingdoms and establish an eternal kingdom that shall never be destroyed, that shall not be left to other people, and that will stand forever. We saw that what Daniel was interpreting that Nebuchadnezzar had received in a dream was that God was revealing to him what would happen in the last days this is the reason why you hear the cry of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulder his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of david and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the lord of hosts will perform this what are you telling me i'm telling you that there will be no peace until we have the prince of peace that this government that government no matter who you vote into office they will never be able to instill peace not only in this nation but around the world because the government that's founded on man is a faulty government so God tells us that he is going to produce the one who is going to lead all governments and when he leads all governments he's not just going to bring peace here but he's going to bring peace over the entire world John the Revelator says it like this in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. He says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in white linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of almighty God and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings 
and Lord of Lords. What you telling me? I'm telling you that Jesus is going to run the show. I'm telling you that Jesus is that king that's coming. I'm telling you that Jesus is going to bring that government that shall never end. Why is that important? Because when Jesus comes, he wants you to understand that you have been placed here, right here, right now, to prepare this place, to bring people to a saving grace, a revelation of who he is, so that that when he comes, they are ready to receive him. See, beloved, last night we discussed the fact that the field is the world. That each one of us have been strategically and methodically placed in the field for the purpose of representing and serving as a witness of the kingdom of God. No matter where we have been planted. We said if you're a social worker, you're there to represent the kingdom of God. If you're a truck driver, you're there to represent the kingdom of God. If you are a school teacher, a banker, an administrative worker, or a nurse, your sole purpose, your primary purpose is to represent God's kingdom and to serve as a witness of his kingdom in the field where you have been placed. You have been strategically and methodically placed in the kingdom to serve as God's representative, as his witness to those in your area of influence. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 8 says, bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. He says, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. He says, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Why would God make you his witness? Because because what he did in you, he did in you so you can tell somebody else about his transforming, saving, healing, delivering power that he manifested in your body, in your life, in your situation. Nobody needs a witness that never saw the problem. You can't talk about something you haven't seen. That's why no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. God never told you that weapons won't form. What he told you is that they will not prosper. You do not need a healer if you don't have to get healed. What I love about God is that God is a God of recovery. I know that while I might be going through, and I know I may have to wait, I know my deliverance is coming. You can say like Job. You can testify like Job. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that I'm the lad he's going to stand upon this earth, and I'm going to see him for myself. You got to know for yourself that God has called you to be his witness. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, but put it on a and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light, let your light. You got to let your light. That means that you have to choose to let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father. Now let me share something with you. Oftentimes, we don't want nobody to know what we're going through. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but who will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you're able to bear it. Beloved, nothing you go through comes to you except it first goes through God. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Whatever you face in life, God is aware of it. He says, are not two sparrows sore for a farthing? And yet one of them shall not fall to the ground except your father. He says, even the very hairs on your head are numbered. Oh, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Are y'all hearing me? See, you got to understand, beloved, there's nothing you're facing in life that God is not aware of. Therefore, if God allow you to go through it, he'll give you the, the grace to sustain you through it. Because what the enemy meant for bad, God will turn that thing around for your good. And you got to understand that you got to know that for yourself so that when the moment of test comes you don't try to hide it you don't get shame of it you let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give your God glory in heaven see beloved as God's representative your life is an open book See, I was, I was asleep, Bishop, this morning early. And the Spirit of God started talking to me about our lives being an open book. Your life is an open book. Watch this now. Watch this. See, because I'm talking about another look at evangelism. See, we often see evangelism as us telling somebody. It's our job to tell them. But God says, I don't want you to tell them. I want you to show them. When I was a little boy, we, we, you know, we, we'd be in the playground and somebody say something. And they'd be talking all kind of rough stuff and acting like they're big and bad. And somebody else would tell them, put up or shut up. See, there's a whole lot of folks who learn the Christian lingo. 
They know how to talk about being blessed and highly favored. They know how to talk about being empowered to prosper. But when the test comes or the money get funny, they don't quote, they don't speak, they don't shine. Instead, they cower down. But God wants you to realize now that your life as his saint is an open book. See, your life is an open book to be read of all who are around you. It is through the regular occurrences of life that God has chosen. Watch this now. God has chosen to put you on display. A city set on a hill. A light on a candlestick so that you can be seen by others to testify to them about the power of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 2, Paul says, you are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us. Ah, oh, my, 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 my. You are declared to be the epistle of Christ. You are the, you are the 28th book or rather the, yeah, you, you're the 28th book in the New Testament you are being written by Christ he says and he goes on to say you are you are ministered by us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God not in tables of stone but in fleshly tables of the heart listen to that same text from the message Bible your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives, and we publish it. I hear the Apostle Paul saying in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I hear the writer John saying greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See what he wants you to understand is that God will put you on display so the world can see it because you are the word made flesh you are the living and breathing body written epistle before others to testify about the transforming power of God Peter, Peter says it like this bishop in 1st Peter verse chapter 2 verse 9 he says you are a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and put you into his marvelous light. Beloved, throughout every facet of your life, God has chosen you to serve as his witness. wherever you 
though, you are called to serve as a witness of the saving, transforming power of Jesus Christ. We think we're supposed to be going to witness to the stranger. And God is bringing the stranger to you. See, y'all, the same folks who knew you when you were in your mess, when you were caught up in sin, when they saw you acting out of character and doing things that mom and them never taught you, now they can see you thriving. Now they see you blessed. Now they see you enjoying the favor of God on your life. And when they're watching you, they're, you're witnessing. See, whether they see you prosper or they see you go through difficulty, whether during moments of pleasure or moments of pain, you are testifying of the grace of God, of the power of God, of the goodness of God in your life to sustain you, to support you, to empower you to victory. I like the way Peter says it in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. He says, but the God of all grace, who hath called you unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen you, and settle you. What are you telling me, Peter? I'm telling you that God will put you on display so he can show his power in you. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. He says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, he says, blessed are you for the spirit of Christ and of glory resteth on you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. While you are going through, God is being glorified. While you are standing firm, God is being glorified. While you are holding on to your testimony, God is being glorified. I hear the apostle Paul saying, we are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're cast down, but not forsaken. Persecuted, but not destroyed. He says, for, I, for which cause we faint not. For though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Oh, he says it works for us while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen Temporal. Somebody say temporal. Temporal. What you are going through has an expiration date on it. Before you got there, God had set the boundaries. He said you can't go no further than this. Yeah, you might be enduring it. It might have been around a little longer than you thought it should. But make no mistake about it. It's temporal. And when you look not at the things which are temporal, but at the things which are eternal, you'll make it through. 
So, so beloved, he tells us in Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come. <laughs> and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gropes darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. I don't know if y'all heard that. He said, listen, I need to say that again. He said, darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But, <laughs> but, but, but changes things. He says, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. You got to take this book and you got to hold on to it with your dear life. You got to speak this book over your life. You got to declare this word over your situation. You got to call those things which be not as though they were. You got to stay in faith on what God has said because he's given unto us exceeding great and precious promises and it is by those promises we become partakers of the divine nature. I'm here to tell you I want it all. I'm like Moses. I ain't leaving a hoof behind everything that he gave me. He's blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Everything he gave me, I want it. I ain't leaving a fingernail behind. I'm not leaving a toenail behind. I want everything God gave me. I want my healing. I want my blessing. I want my deliverance. I want his favor. I want his prosperity. Everything he's promised, I want it. Tell your neighbor your own display. Your own display. See yourself different. See yourself different. I heard somebody preach one time, trouble is a trust. <laughs> that means instead of you looking at your situation as a crisis, you need to see it as an opportunity. An opportunity for God to show up and show out on your behalf. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, brother. I walked in one day and they told me they were dissolving my job. I was one year short of early retirement. I went back to my office and I said, Lord, I said, you did not bring me here for me to go out like this. Somebody came to me and said, what you going to do? I said, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to trust in the Lord. Hey, come on, somebody. Every day. They had one job open, one job, one job. I did not meet the qualifications for the job. Knew nothing about the qualifications for the job. Did not know anything about what the people in the job did. Who were all, listen, it was over a whole section of people. Over 400 people was in that area. This position was going to lead 400 people. They had critical, critical positions in community. I knew nothing about it, but I got in my car and every day I would declare, I shall be. I got in my car, I shall be. I declare that I shall be. And Bishop, I got bold with it. I said, I shall be. And 
I shall not have to apply for it. I, I Listen, I start speaking over my life. I start declaring over my life. And after a while, every time the enemy came against my mind to try to bring a spirit of fear, I would rebuke the enemy and say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I would declare out of my mind, I shall be and I shall not have to apply. And one day I got called in the office. And they said, Rodney. I said, yes, ma'am. I know you're about to take your wife to a conference. She said, when you come back from the conference on Monday, you will be the new blah, blah, blah. No application. No interview. No questions asked. Just you will be. I want y'all to know that the God you serve is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think according to the power that is at work in you. If you got the faith to ask it, God got the power to do it. Israel had been chosen to serve as God's representatives to testify to the other nations what God could and would do for people that would serve him. Yet they continuously and consistently disobeyed God over and over. At first, God would chastise them through lifting his hand of protection and allowing the nations round about them to attack and overcome them. But after their repeated disobedience and rebellion, God sends them into exile under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. They were to be there 70 years in captivity. But their captivity was different from what others would have considered to be captivity. They were allowed to live and to prosper among the Chaldean people and to assimilate themselves into the culture. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7, Jeremiah sends a letter to the captives in Babylon. Here are his words. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Did you catch that? God said, you are carried away captive into Babylon, and God said, I did it. What you going to do when God is your problem? What are you going to do when God is your problem? I was preaching one day, Bishop, and I heard the Lord speak to me. Now, God speaks to you in different ways. And it wasn't, I, I can't tell you it was an audible voice. But I just know he revealed something to me while I was preaching. And the Lord said to me, when somebody offend you, somebody need to hear this. When somebody do you wrong, and you don't do what I tell you to do in my word, your problem is no longer with them. 
Your problem is with me. Because you decided not to do what I told you to do. What they did to you does not nullify what I told you to do. So when God is your problem, who are you going to tell? So here they are in Babylon. God gives them instruction in verse 5 of Jeremiah 29. He says, build you houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray unto the Lord for it for in the peace thereof you shall have peace. Now, you got to understand this is foreign to them. Because all of their born lives, they've been told to stay separate from the other nations. All of their born lives, they've been told, don't marry the daughters of a strange God. Don't bring their sons to your daughters. They have been told to be separate and recluse from everybody else. But here in captivity, God tells them, build houses and dwell there. Plant gardens, eat from the fruit. Take wives, get sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and daughters for your husbands and, and be there. And while you're there, pray for the folks who got you in captivity. Because while you're there, their peace becomes your peace. Now, this may seem like something's off. But then God comes back in verse 8 and says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. I'm going to say it in Adam's version. Don't let your prophets and your diviners that's in the middle of you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams that you cause to be dreams. Because they're prophesying falsely to you in my name. I didn't send them, said the Lord. He said, I told you, you're going to be there 70 years. See, now, there were some prophets that was getting up saying, thus saith the Lord, I shall deliver you by such and such. You shall go out. You shall not be here. Blah, blah, blah. And God said, shut it, shut it, shut it down. You going to be here. I told you 70 years, you going to spend 70 years here. Then he says in verse number 10, after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. What you telling me, God? God is saying, I know what I'm doing. I know it don't seem like it makes sense to you. I know it 
don't seem like it fits. I know it seems like it's disjointed and discombobulated, but I got a plan. I know what I'm doing. Beloved, I ask God, I say, God, why did you send them into exile? And he let me know that he was sowing seed. We were in Sunday school the other week, and this was the text, Jeremiah 31, 27. He says, behold, the day, I, don't worry, I ain't going to be much longer. He said, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the beast, the seed of beast. And it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict, so will I watch over them to build and to plant, saith the Lord. God tells them, I brought you in Babylon because I got a bigger plan. Lord, help me. My plan is bigger than the plan you think of. You just want to sit over here and be blessed. You want to sit over here and be at peace. You don't care about the other nations. But everybody is born or created in the Imago day. I'm just as concerned about Ishmael as I am about Isaac. Y'all don't hear me now. Uh, so God said, the only way I can turn that, now, now, now I intended, Brother Hoskins, I, I intended for y'all to be the nation that would testify to the nations of the world what I can do for a people who will serve me. When you were in the wilderness, your clothes didn't get holy. Your shoes didn't wear out. You had bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. But you kept rebelling against me. You didn't want to do it my way. So I had to turn it around and sow you. Are y'all with me? Now you got to remember, Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow okra, you won't get green peas. You get what you sow. Here God says, I'm going to sow the seed of man and the seed of beast. If you sow man, you get man. I hope y'all with me. If you sow that now, you got to understand that beast was the, 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 the means of, 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 of agriculture and the means of business during that time. God says, I'm going to sow seed of man and I'm going to sow the seed of business so that I can get a harvest. Now, the harvest I get may not look like you, but it's going to be like you. Hey, when it come at first, it might not look clean. 
It might not dress clean. It might not act clean. But after I work on it a little bit, I'm going to make it. Are y'all hearing me? I'm going to make it clean. I need the seed of man and I need the seed of business. In verse 31 of Jeremiah 31, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. Because somebody might be saying, Now, how can, you, how can you take that text and make it speak to, 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 to what's happening now? What, what, look at verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now notice what God says. At the time he's saying, I'm going to sow the house of Israel, and I'm going to make a new covenant. He's telling them that I'm closing out the old and I'm birthing the new. Whereas in the past, they had to teach each other to know me. I'm taking it on myself that I'm going to put my law in their inward parts. I'm going to write it on their hearts. They're going to be, I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people. He says, and the least from the greatest unto the least of them is going to know me. Because I'm going to forgive their sin. And I will remember it no more. Let me, I'm getting ready to stop. I promise you. I, I, I have a lot more to go, but I'm going to get ready to stop because I hear the Holy Ghost. So in the text, in the text, Acts. He says, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. I'm laughing because God is amazing. Until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they were therefore come together. <laughs> They asked of him, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? You know what they're asking him? Are you going to put us back in charge? <laughs> Are we going to be over here by ourselves again? 
and everybody got to come to us and watch us get blessed and watch us prosper and watch us doing the works of God. Is that what you're going to do? Notice what Jesus said. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Y'all just want to be blessed, us foe, and no more. But God said, I'm not working like that today. I'm going to do a work in you and in you and in you and in you and it ain't nobody going to have to tell you to know me because I'm going to write my word in your spirit. I'm going to put it in you so that when you're going to, to, when you're going to Harris Teeter, it's in you. When you're going to the job, it's in you. When you're going to the ball game, now y'all hear me, it's in you. I'm going to put it in you so you can be a witness no matter where you are. You love it? You got to understand. What I love about God here is that, beloved, our mannerisms, our behaviors, our attitudes, the way we carry ourselves, our work ethic, how we spend our money, every facet of our lives should be affected by our faith so that as we live our lives, we model the behavior and the expectation of the kingdom. God didn't put the Holy Ghost in you for you to dance and have a good time. He put the Holy Ghost in you so that you can have victory over the enemy. He put the power of God in you so that you can have victory over yourself. He put the power of God in you so that you could be peculiar in a world where most folks are acting common. He placed his spirit on the inside of you to give you wisdom, guidance, and instruction so that he can manifest his transforming power in you so that folks can come and ask you a reason of the hope that's in you. When you don't act the way they thought you should act, they gonna ask you why you didn't do it. This is the purpose. Now I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna get out. We're gonna get out. God called us not only to go witness, he called us to be a witness. This word be is a root word, esomai. Esomai means you shall be. It means you exist to be. You live. You're only here because you're on display. Did you catch that? You know, my granddaughters came to spend the week with us, the week of Christmas. And Linda and I noticed everything we did, they watched us. 
if I needed to step outside, she said, can I go? See, what you got to understand is that, and, I, and, and later on, I said to my wife in the back when we were in the room, I said, they're watching everything we do. She said, I know. And I said to her, because they're learning. And so we got in the car going someplace. And I said to him, Bishop, I said, you guys are watching everything we do, don't you? They said, yep. And the oldest one said, and I've already called my boyfriend. And I told him he's going to have to start opening the car door for me. Because I see how you open the car door for Grandma, Ad for Grandma Linda. And because you opened the car door for Grandma Linda, he's going to have to open the car door for me. Are y'all hearing me? See, your life is an open book. It is being read by all men. You are a written epistle. Not written in ink, but written in your heart. Every place you go, every move you make, every word you speak, God is using you to testify to somebody else, to witness to somebody else about the transforming power of God. We think we got to go tell somebody. No, you got to be somebody. See, because what he's telling us here, and I'm done, I'm done. What he tells us here is he said that not only are you to be a witness, but you are, he says, to be a witness unto me. Unto is a, is a Greek word that literally is telling us moi. Moi means that your job is to be a progressive witness unto Christ. What are you telling me now? What that means? Let me, let me break that down for you. This word moi means that our witnessing among people is with our lives daily so that as they watch us in various and sundry circumstances, they see the stabilizing grace of God on your life. When you should falter and be broken, you still got joy. When you should be sad and, and disgusted, you're praising God anyhow. And when they are seeing the power of God on your life, day after day, situation after situation, moment after moment, you testify to them of the power of God, that God is able to keep you, that God is able to sustain you, that God is able to empower you, that God is able to transform you, that God is able to save you. We have to be intentional about how we act around other people. You got to know it ain't the pastor and his family that live in the fishbowl. We all are in a fishbowl. You go to the job, there are folks that go to churches all in this community. They say they saved, but they do some of the same stuff that folks in the world do. But when you come around, you are a witness. Now, some of the time, I'm done. I, I promise I'm done. I'm done. But some of the time now, you're going to feel excluded. 
They're going to tell you that the party is at 5. They had the party at 2. When you come in, there's one piece of cake left. There's crumbs on the table, confetti on the floor, balloons are done dropped from the ceiling. The helium is gone out. They done had the party. See, they didn't want you there because you are an unfriendly reminder of the covenant relationship they're supposed to walk in. But God is telling you to stand firm, to be steadfast, to be unmovable, to always be working and abounding in the work of the Lord. Because, beloved, your labor is not in vain. You do not know whose life God is touching through your witness. Be steadfast. Be firm. Be about the work of the Lord. You have to take another look at evangelism. Just like God planted Israel in the midst of Babylon, to sow for an eternal harvest, he's planting you to sow for an eternal harvest. These Israelites, these disciples, they couldn't see it. They thought it was going to be business as usual. But Jesus needed them to understand. No, it's not business as usual. They tell me that the day of Pentecost was the number 50. Understand, God waited. He waited until the Medes, the Parthians, the dwellers of Mesopotamia, the Elamites. He waited till all those folks came before he allowed them to come out of that upper room. Why? Because what was there in Jerusalem was the harvest he had sowed for. Beloved, God has his hand on you. Don't get discouraged. Don't get befuddled. Don't allow yourself to be dismayed. He which hath begun a good work in you, he is going to perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet. there was ever a time that the born-again believer in Christ has to stand up and be a witness, that time is right now. Paul says, lest I should be exalted above measure because of the abundance of revelation that had been given to me. He said, there was given to me a messenger of Satan a fawn in the flesh to buffet me. He said, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Beloved, God never leaves, nor will he ever forsake you. If he allows you to go through, he will give you grace to sustain you. Cast your burden 
upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Every head bowed. I close. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, but you want to give your life to Christ, you want to understand that God can give you a new life. He can give you a new testimony. He can put a run in your step, joy in your heart, smile on your face, and stability in your character. But you have to be willing to submit yourself to him. If you're willing to do that, he'll do that for you. He says, all that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. If you're here, you're not saved, you can be saved tonight. If you're online and you want to be saved, I want to commit my life to Christ. You can do that tonight. If you desire, pray this prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I've done wrong, and I need a Savior. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe you sent him to this earth to die for me, and you raised him from the dead for me. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be Lord and Savior over my life. And help me, Lord, to learn of you and to live the rest of my life for you. I thank you now for hearing me. I thank you for forgiving me. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved, if you're here tonight and you need prayer, it doesn't matter what your need is. Maybe you're going through right now. Maybe it's difficult. Maybe hearing that God wants you to be an open epistle, to be read by others. You need God's grace. You need his peace to, to sustain and enable you to go through that moment. If that's you, or if you have any need, we invite you to come right now. Anyone. Father, we thank you tonight, we bless you tonight, and we praise you tonight. Lord, I pray for this congregation, for everyone that's here, for everyone that's online, live, and everyone that will listen in their appropriate time. Father God, that you set before them an open door that no man can shut. God, and that you will shut the doors that need to be shut in their lives that no man can open them. I pray, Father God, that you perfect that which concerns them, that you complete your plan, your mission, your assignment for their lives. And Father, I pray that you grant us grace. You said, and of your fullness have all we received, and you give us grace for grace. Help us now, Lord, to receive your grace. Help us to walk in your sufficiency, to say yes to your will, Help us to align the confession of our mouths 
with the with the, the bedrock of your word that we understand God that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God you said it's the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profits nothing and the words you speak to us they are spirit and they are life making help us to speak your word while we go through help us to declare your word over our lives while we're waiting, help us to declare your word over our lives. While others are looking at us, help us to declare others. Help us to declare your word out of our lives and out of our mouths. We pray, God, that you help us to represent you, to serve as your ambassadors in these last days so that others may see the saving, transforming grace and power of God in us. And ask us a reason of the hope that's within us. Then, Lord, we ask you that you would give us the tongue of the learned. That we will know how to speak a word to him that is weary in season. We bless you tonight. We praise you tonight. And we glorify you tonight. In Jesus' name. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com that's tabernacle of praise at msn.com give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you also we would like for you to sow into this ministry if you've been blessed by this work by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel and you would like to help further this cause we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.